Some of my friends and I have started a garden circle this year. After participating in a community garden last year with volunteers who fell by the wayside when work got uncomfortable, namely hot and hard, we decided to start a giving initiative that would come from our own personal gardens. Instead of tending a community garden and a personal garden, we each decided just to plant extra in our personal gardens and then donate from that surplus to area food pantries. We have a pickup schedule and a group message for motivation now that the heat has set in for us and we've managed to donate a good bit so far. It all seems very biblical to me, what with the first fruits and giving a portion to the poor and joining together to celebrate God's gift from the earth. It's been a pleasant surprise for this season of COVID, our little giving garden circle. But what has been interesting is observing how each garden has produced or not. One member dropped out early on because she was unable to plant this year unexpectedly. One member put extensive work in on the front end of his garden, making a beautiful plot for it. He did stone walkways and beautiful trellises and a permanent fence. And he has been unable to yield much of anything so far. The same goes for another in the group, a master gardener nonetheless, but the deer have taken up residence in her backyard and have found a delightful source for nourishment. Another gardener planted a good plot and fenced in from the deer and pretty much left it to grow without much tending and is only now receiving some yield from her garden after a few weeks of others harvesting and donating. One member planted a small plot having no intentions of doing anything with it other than planting his first garden to quote unquote to work the earth and, and to see if anything would grow and he has been one of the two in the group that has so far harvested the most and the last gardener has a very small raised bed with a few planted varieties and she has by far yielded the most produce among all of us. All different plots, all different levels of effort put into the tilling and cultivation work and some gardens have yielded absolutely nothing while others have produced over abundantly. Out of the seven gardens in the group, three of them are brand new, never having been plotted on that, planted on that plot of earth. And one is yielding nothing, one is yielding a medium amount, and one is yielding a ton. And all three of those gardeners are caring and fussing over their plots about the same, watering, weeding, plant picking, and their watchfulness is in like kind, yet each plot is bearing different levels of fruit. Jesus' parable today to the crowd is the first one in a series in the Gospel of Matthew. 
and one of the only ones to which he offers an explanation. Usually, he tells a story and leaves the listener to discover its meaning for himself or herself. But with this one, the parable of the sower, he tells his hearers just what his analogy means. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, he says, and then he proceeds to tell them the different things that may happen at the hearing of the word. Jesus' storytelling often used the very stuff of their lives to convey his message. At this telling, instead of being in the synagogue, he was sitting on the shore when a crowd gathered around him so that he stepped into a boat and went out a little ways into the water so that they could see and hear him. He speaks to them of sowing seeds, and the two parables that follow this one also speak of seeds and sowing. Jesus was using the familiar things of their everyday lives to share the message of the kingdom. Listen, a grandmother decided that if there was anything she was going to do for her grandchildren, she was going to curl up with them and read them good books whenever they were at her home. Whenever the grandchildren would come, she would read them all kinds of stories. They would curl up on the couch and read tales of nights and adventure. They would, they would lie in the bed just before lights out and read stories of overcoming great obstacles. They would sit in the swing outside and read scripture and poetry. They would read humorous short stories while they were eating lunch. At any opportunity, the grandmother would find new books and new stories and would let the children choose which ones they would explore with each visit. As she would read, each child was busy playing with toys or making friendship bracelets or coloring, but she read and read to those children at each visit. One child would hear the stories and immediately sail away in his own imagination, never to hear the ending of the tale. One child would listen to the stories, but would quickly forget their content when she began scanning her tween magazine. Another child would beg for his grandmother to read just one more story before bed, but would forget his love of books and storytelling when he was around his friends playing Fortnite. The last child, the one that played the hardest and seemed to be listening the least while her grandmother read all those books, took to reading like she was breathing air. She read books as soon as she learned to decipher the sounds of the printed word and read often in her free time. She and her grandmother discussed stories at length and the, grandmother, the granddaughter, as she grew, often had new stories to suggest, more modern tales that her grandmother hadn't come across yet. Hear then the parable of the book-loving grandmother. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, his imagination has run wild and he was unable to recognize the great adventure told within the tale. As for the tween, 
who listened and loved the stories but quickly forgot? The word couldn't stand a chance when placed alongside the easy, glossy magazines of life. The boy who took the stories in and would beg for more, the love of the word could not last out could not last once hours and hours of video games demanded his attention. But as for the little girl who began devouring books on her own as soon as she could read, this is the one who hears the word of the kingdom and understands it. This is the one who doesn't just know it in her head, but she knows it in her heart. She will seek the great story within all stories that she hears and will share with others the mysteries of the kingdom. So you see, if we use the stuff of our lives to tell of what the word of the kingdom is like, the message is sometimes clearer so that we may have eyes to see and ears to hear. Go from seeing, perhaps, to perceiving, from hearing to listening. The parable of the sower and the parable of the book-loving grandmother turns our attention to God and shows us how to follow Jesus in kind. God is the sower. God is the book-loving grandmother. What's so funny about the sower is the carelessness and recklessness of his sowing, especially in comparison to my friends and I, with our garden circle. What sower would plant seeds on the road or in the gravel or among the weeds? As we prepared for our garden, we marked off its parameters. Evan tilled and then a little while later tilled again to turn over the soil and rid the area of weeds. The kids and I staked out the rows and measured the distance between each one. We hoed straight lines and planted several seeds of one kind in each row. And then Evan put up a fence barrier up to keep out the roaming critters. We were intentional with our sowing. We had it all planned out and we are now enjoying the fruits of our harvest. I did not drop any seeds on my patio on the way to the garden. None of it fell on the grass before I got to the tilled plot. I had salvaged leftover seed from last year, so I was not careless or reckless with my sowing since I had just enough. The parable of the sower, however, shows us quite the opposite of God, doesn't it? The sower's seed falls all over the place. If God is the sower in Jesus' parable, then the word of the kingdom falls all over the place, carelessly, recklessly, without abandon, no concern for salvaging just enough for the properly prepared earth. No, God has sown the word of the kingdom, which is Christ, everywhere. As with the book-loving grandmother, who reads and reads and reads to her grandchildren without abandon, even when they are playing, even when they are sleepy, even when they are distracted, so does God sow the seed of Christ liberally 
My friends and I are serious, calculated gardeners. But according to Jesus, in the boat, on the Sea of Galilee, God is a reckless planter, or at the very least, a sower with a bag overflowing with seed on his way to the tilled soil. The seed falls all over the ground and bears fruit according to the soil it falls upon. And you'll notice even in the rich soil, it yields differing amounts. In the NRSV, it says perhaps it yields 30-fold or 60-fold or sometimes 100-fold. For years and years, professors and mentors, ministers, classmates and friends I admired read a particular author and quoted from his thought often. I was intrigued, so I picked up a few of the titles and placed them on my bookshelf. I would pull one of the books off from time to time and try and wade my, th my way through, always to inevitably quit before I got even a decent way through. I was unable to connect with the subject matter and couldn't quite figure out why this particular author was so foundational to so many folks that I admired. One of the books I even carried in the backseat of my car forever because I would try again and again to get through the story and was never able to. The book ended up with creased pages and a sun-bleached cover because it stayed in my car for so long. After several years of this, and after many life events occurring that changed my outlook and my commitments, I pulled one of those books off the shelf again, looking for something new to read. This time, as I made my way through page after page, I could not put it down and was completely drawn into the author's worldview. It is no understatement to claim that the reading of that book at that season of my life single-handedly changed my life and my trajectory prior to then. Upon finishing that title, I immediately embarked on the one that had sat in my car for so long. And now, out of all the books that I've read, Ever, it is hands down my favorite book. Jesus' parable of the sower works on us in a twofold manner. Firstly, before we look at our own lives and judge our own soil as rich to receive the word compared to other people's soil, I think the parable makes us own up to the fact that all four types of soil exist within each one of us throughout our whole lives. If at times we can hear the word of the kingdom and the seed falls on rich soil and the roots go down deep and abundant fruit springs forth, then at other times the seed falls among the weeds and the cares of this world chokes out any representation of Christ that maybe could have taken root. And if we can be honest and claim it's always been this way with us, who tout to be faithful seeking Christians, who are exposed to the word of the kingdom on a regular basis, 
then can't we claim the same for all others? Think of those books that sat on my shelf for years that I tried digging into over and over again until one day I tried again based on the testimonials of my mentors and friends and it changed my life. My grandfather, when I was a kid, used to tell me just about every time I saw him to slow down, slow down my work, slow down my thought, slow down my life. And by slow down, he meant do things with care and with excellence. He was a craftsman of sorts. It used to annoy me to no end that he would say this to me. As a know-it-all teenager, ironically, it came across to me as condescending and judgmental. Now though, as a parent of four children in a world that is frantic and frenzied and care and craftsmanship are much harder to find, I hear myself telling myself and my kids regularly to slow down. Slow down your work, slow down your thought, slow down your life. Secondly, as it concerns the parable, if we tout that we are faithful seeking Christians, we are touting that we are followers of Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of the kingdom. Jesus tells us in the parable of the sower that God is a careless, reckless, abundant sower. He scatters the seed everywhere, knowing some will take root and some will not. But God is not choosy or conservative with his seed sowing. I can tell you that in our garden circle, not one of us would have wasted our seed on the way to our tilled and prepared plot of earth. God, however, scatters the seed of the word of the kingdom all across the earth, making no distinction of the soil. If our soil is one day rocky and another day rich, and at times it's a mystery as to what goes into the state of our soil, then so it is with others, and we are to follow Jesus in generously sowing the seed of the kingdom. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit of Christ that produce 30, 60, a hundredfold, according to the soil into which the seed falls. Sow these seeds liberally, day in and day out, making no claim to the shallowness or richness of another person's soil. The soil and the fruits are God's. You never know, after all, this may be the mysterious season when the seed falls on the nutrient-rich ground, sending out roots way down deep that reclaims and redeems a life. 
Thanks be to God for his careless and reckless sowing of the word of the kingdom in our own lives. We can look back and see so many seeds he planted along the way, can't we? Now go and do likewise. The harvest, Jesus says, much to our surprise and delight, is plentiful.